Hi, welcome to this fresh teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David. I'm a pastor of Foundation Church and we're starting today a, a new series through the New Testament book called Titus. Actually, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a chap by the name of Titus. More about him in a few moments, but let me read the passage that we're going to be thinking about together in this video. Uh, Titus chapter 1, going to be starting at verse 1 through to verse 4. The link will be in the notes for this video if you're watching um, online or, or if you're listening on our website, uh, the notes will be there too. Titus chapter 1, here it is. It begins like this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. What an intro. What an introduction to this letter. Uh, most of the time whenever I write a letter it has dear so-and-so and that's it, off I go. But this is typical of the kind of letters that would have been written and exchanged uh, in the times that Paul was writing. And Paul especially loved uh, these, these beginnings that set out the stall about what he was going to say uh, in, in the letter that he writes to various people in churches. He begins with this flourish. And through uh, this entire letter, as we'll see over the next few weeks, he communicates two important themes, which, uh, which we see in this introduction and are key uh, for our understanding of the whole letter. First of all, he says, get the truth straight. And secondly, he says to Titus, let the truth shape you. Get the truth straight and let it shape you. So we're going to be thinking in this particular part of the video about the first point, get the truth straight. Titus uh, is a member of Paul's missionary team, uh, his apostolic team, we could say. He's a representative of the Apostle Paul, uh, learning his teaching and then carrying that teaching forward. And we, we see in various parts of the New Testament, uh, Titus appears here and there. He visits the church in Corinth. He, he takes uh, the message of the gospel uh, up to Dalmatia, which is part of um, well, modern-day Croatia. He travels far and wide with the apostolic message uh, from Paul, uh, and he takes that to various churches uh, and strengthens them and leads them and guides them to a new uh, phase in their life of maturity and growth. And that is exactly what he's doing here in this letter. Uh, he is in the uh, island of Crete, which is within the Mediterranean. It's quite a large island. Maybe you've been there on holiday. Uh, it's a popular tourist destination. Uh, and uh, there he is. He is working with the churches, these brand new fledgling churches that have probably only months uh, ago heard the good news, uh, the gospel message about Jesus Christ. They've accepted faith in Christ and yet they are still uh, very new in their faith. And so Titus has been dispatched by Paul and the team to go and strengthen the churches. And we'll see how he does that and what he says as the weeks go on. Uh, but he calls, Paul calls Titus, he says in verse 4, my true child in the common faith. Uh, to, to Titus, uh, Paul is his spiritual father. 
um, and yet they share this common faith. Yes, there's a, a maturity and a, a wisdom that comes from Paul to Titus, and yet they are together united in the faith. Paul, uh, of course, is a Jew, uh, a Jewish background, now a believer in Jesus, a Christian, and yet Titus is a non-Jew, uh, what the, the Bible describes as a Gentile, uh, outsider um, to the people of Israel, and yet now, uh, because of Jesus, Jew and Gentile, Jew and non-Jew, are united together, different cultural backgrounds, different upbringings, and yet united together through faith in Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful uh, picture of how it should be within the church. And so this letter has been written to Titus to help him direct his operations as he goes around strengthening the church. Paul writes to remind Titus of the mission that he's on. And so he says, first of all, um, as we've already thought, get the truth straight. When you go to these churches in Crete, get the truth straight. Learn the truth. Become confident in the truth. Allow the truth to invade you, uh, to, to shape your, your thinking. Uh, allow it to steer your lives, your practices as a newly formed community around the good news of Jesus. And it begins by getting the truth straight. Uh, Paul starts off this introduction by describing himself as a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he understands himself as, as under the authority of, of, um, of God, a serving God, um, uh, a place of great humility. Uh, so Paul knows that he's not here for his own gain or for his own uh, glory. He's here to serve and give glory to God. He's a, he's a servant of God. But also he knows that he has given the authority of Jesus Christ. He, as an apostle, he has been called, he's been set apart, and he's been sent out uh, to go and proclaim the good news about Jesus. So he's this position of humility and this position of authority. And he says in verse 3, I've been entrusted with this message from God. I've been commanded by God to go out and, and preach it. That's how Paul understands his own ministry. And of course, these are massive claims that he is making about his own authority. But, but what he's, he's trying to point out here, and we'll see this as we go through the letter, uh, he wants to show Titus and the churches that Titus is leading uh, that, that these are not Paul's ideas primarily. They haven't started with him. They haven't originated from him. What Paul is communicating and passing on through Titus is, is originated and, 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 and began with uh, God. It came from God. It's from God. And, and that's where it started. And so Paul says, I'm writing here for the sake of the faith of God's elect, uh, God's chosen people. I, I, I'm writing so that they might be nourished in the faith, strengthened, emboldened in the faith. I want them to get the truth straight. And so it's the job of Titus to, to pass this on and to help the churches in Crete eat this stuff up. And, and, and we'll see as we go on uh, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the content of this message, the content of this truth that they are to get straight. Great summaries we'll read of, of God's saving work in Jesus, great presentations of the gospel. But here, Paul is content to say that this truth uh, in verse 2 uh, is all about the hope of eternal life from God who never lies, he says, in verse 2, 
uh, who promised this hope before, or promised this eternal life before ages began, and now at the proper time, he has manifested in his word through my preaching. Let's, let's just spend a few moments unpacking that. It's, it's so dense, it's so uh, intricate what Paul is saying. Let's unpack that. Paul is saying here at the introduction of this letter that through his preaching, through his apostolic message, the truth about God, and here's the claim, came into being before the ages began. Before creation came into existence, this message, this truth was already in the mind of God. God already promised within himself, among himself, Father, Son and Holy Spirit made a promise to bring eternal life to humankind before the ages began. I can't get my head around that, but that's what it says. God, God was there before anything existed. And this idea, this saving plan of God was agreed upon before anything came into being outside of God himself. That is incredible. That blows my mind. But that is how rooted, how firm this truth is. This is important for later on. So, so keep that in your mind. So it came before the ages began. Therefore, it's not a human idea. It's not a human philosophy. It's not our idea. It didn't originate from within ourselves. It came from totally outside. Totally outside. And this promise, as we, as we, as we see in, in the Bible, um, has been revealed through hints and shadows in the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament peoples, the people of Israel. But now, says Paul, at the proper time, that's his wording, proper time, this truth has now been made crystal clear by God through Jesus and entrusted to Paul like treasure given. This is precious cargo. Take this, this good news, and share it with the world along with the other apostles. And so that's what Paul is doing. That's how he understands his ministry. Now, why, why is it so important? Why is it so important uh, to get the truth straight why does why does paul labor so hard even in these uh, few really tightly compacted sentences how, why does he labor so hard to show that this message this truth originates from god before any of us came from god why does he labor so hard why does he emphasize that god who never lies gave us this truth well it's important because uh, the churches in Crete, who, as you remember from earlier on, they're filled with new believers. We're talking weeks, months, probably less than a year at the most. Very new believers in Jesus. He's, he's, he's stating it like this because he wants them to be crystal clear how their faith contrasts with the prevailing views in society, in Cretan society. And, and, and as we'll see, there is a huge difference between what Paul is saying and what the people of Crete believe, what they have come to believe they've inherited from within their own culture. There's a very different take on truth from within Crete compared to what Paul is teaching here through the good news of Jesus. And again, we'll see this uh, through the series, um, but just, just to prime the pump, so to speak, um, there was a big problem in Crete uh, with this concept of truth. Uh, for, for them, truth, in inverted commas, was negotiable. Uh, truth was what you made it. It was variable. 
Uh, at times it was changed, sometimes it was trimmed. Truth ultimately for them was something that you can use to get what you want. It's a, it's a tool. Um, you had to make truth work for you. And so the churches, these very new uh, fledgling churches, were struggling against this ingrained culture within Crete, and we'll see this as we go on again, uh, of conspiracy theories, controversies, uh, even within religious camp, there was religious quarreling about this and that uh, little controversy within the law. Uh, even the, 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 the island of Crete had a reputation for telling tall stories. Uh, for example, it was claimed within the island of Crete, much to the dislike of the Greek-speaking world, by the way, it was claimed that the chief Greek god called Zeus uh, was buried in Crete. No one else followed that line of thinking at all within Greek mythology, but the people of Crete claimed that that's where he was buried. Even uh, one of the great artists, the great creative thinkers from Crete itself, Epimenides, who was a poet and a writer, he said of his own people, this is a quote, Cretans, my own people, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, Lazy gluttons. That was him talking about his own people. You know, even uh, within contemporary Greek speech, Greek language, the word kretizo was coined. It meant literally to play the Cretan. And that was a metaphor. If you're, if you're uh, lying or fabricating or horsing around, kretizo uh, would be one of the words that could be used to describe you. You're playing the Greek. Such was the culture of, sorry, you're playing the Cretan. Such was the culture of Crete that it was synonymous with being a, a lying people, just making truth work for you to achieve what you want. And of course, Paul is then speaking into this context. He, he, he contrasts the truth of God, what we might call true truth. From Francis Schaeffer, that's what he called it, true truth. Um, with this sort of flake, flaky and flimsy concept of truth that the people of Crete had. And the difference is, is night and day between the two systems of thought. But, but, but we have to uh, also be reminded here that, that this is more than just a battle of, of two separate ideas or two ways of thinking. It's more than a battle of the mind. Because to get the truth straight was crucial. Basic psychology or philosophy uh, principles will say that what you think drives how you behave. And so our core concepts, our, our deepest held convictions affect how we behave and how we act. And, and that's the case on an individual level. How, what your, your, your core convictions, your core beliefs, whether you actually think about them uh, actively every day or, or, or whatever, the, the core things, the inviolable truths um, that you have accepted will determine the way that you think and act and, and behave. And that's true for individuals, it's true for you, it's true for me, but it's true for us as a society, as a group of people as well. Commonly held beliefs shape how society acts. And, and the problem with all of this um, is that the practices within Crete uh, left much to be desired. 
we get we get a flavour of some of the issues, some of the societal issues that plagued Crete as we read the letter. We can deduce much of what it would have been like. It was not a good place to live by all uh, estimations. Uh, it was often people lived in the grip of destructive behaviours. Um, Struggles with alcohol addiction seem to be um, a major issue on that island. So many references in this letter about drunkenness and, and being sober, sober-minded. Um, great division uh, of the society with people bunching off into different groups and, and, and you know, uh, lobbing metaphorical um, stones at one another. A lack of respect seemed to pervade the entire culture, lack of common decency in how we interact with one another. Um, people were using and abusing one another for personal gain, uh, for you know, embezzling one another, trying to extort money from each other. It goes to show that truth matters. What you believe affects how you live. Show me how a society behaves and I will tell you what they believe. And we can see that here in, in Crete. And so Paul is, is writing to Titus is, and, and through him to the churches to say, there is a better way. Um, there is true truth available to you. And this is truth that, that is pure, has come from, from God himself. It, it is truth that possesses uh, um, an, an innate beauty. Above all the mess and the manipulation of, of power plays and, and you know, truths that are used and taken and twisted by humanity to get what they want, Paul is writing to say there is a form of truth that brings life, that brings the hope of eternal life, as he puts it, and it is available to you. And it's on the basis of that which he calls the churches to live in light of. Now, I hope you can see as we're thinking about this, even in this introductory message, how our world today is really struggling with this idea of truth, particularly for those of us who live in Western uh, society. Truth is very much up for grabs. Um, one of the phrases that's been coined over the last few years has been fake news. Fake, you know, what is truth? What, what, what is actually true? And how much of this has just been fabricated? We've got fake news, we've got fake, fake news. People uh, today have become so very opinionated and so very outward in their opinions. Uh, social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or other forms such as Instagram, have become very toxic uh, with people becoming so opinionated and so filled with anger and hate and bitterness, sharing what they think is the right way, their right opinions, the truth. Even scientific truth, objective, in inverted commas, scientific truth, has been taken and weaponized uh, to promote one political ideology or one um, political side or another. And, and often science is leveled against science. Graphs are shown against graphs, statistics versus statistics. And we're asking ourselves as people, what is true? What is right? Is there anything pure in our own society? It seems to be um, that co our culture is eating itself up, self-destruction, all of this because we have a faulty understanding of truth. We need true truth. We need to be restored in our confidence about what is true in our lives. And Paul is saying through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures ultimately, and he's saying to us today, saying to you and me, you need true truth. And that true truth 
is available. It is here and it's from God to you. Now you need to hear it. You need to own it. You need to understand it. And when you do, you will be able to experience life and healing and unity. True truth is available to you. So first of all, says Paul, to us through this scripture, get the truth straight. Are you listening to the truth? Are you committing yourself to receiving the truth? Are you opening your ears to what God is saying through the word of God, through the scripture? True truth. Well, the first major theme in Paul's letter to Titus is get the truth straight. We've seen that, but the second part that we see, even in this introduction, is let the truth shape you. Uh, Let that truth shape you. He says, I'm writing this letter for the sake of the faith of God's chosen people, the knowledge of the truth, listen, which accords with godliness, which is another way of saying flows from, gives rise to godliness, a certain way of living, a certain pattern of behavior, a certain ethic um, flows from knowledge of the truth from God. And so Paul is, is writing for the sake of God's people, uh, you know, to further their faith, to strengthen their faith. And he wants to take this truth that he uh, has received from God and, and been commissioned by Jesus to proclaim as an apostle, take this faith and press it out uh, through all people who accept that truth, uh, accept that message. Uh, he wants to help them press it out into every area of their lives. No part of life or society is to be unaffected or uh, unchanged by the good news, the message of the truth of God through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. It's it's radical. We'll think about that in a minute. Take that truth and press it out. Let the truth shape you. You see, one, one way that we can understand religion is one that just stops at a a certain truth that is in our minds, but it doesn't go any further than that. It, it, it's a truth on its own, if you like. Um, maybe a set of propositions, a set of faith facts about God. But that's where religion stops. And religion says, once you understand those facts, and you can even recite the various statements and, and, and trip them off and rhyme them off and use that language... That's religion. Um, And if you stop here, if you just stop at the sort of body of truth, but you don't let it do anything to you, then you will quite simply become a horrible person. I can guarantee that. Because you see, if if, if the truth that Paul is advancing here, um, the truth uh, of God, if that doesn't melt you, if it doesn't thaw the coldness within your heart, if if it doesn't transform you from the inside out, then it is purely an external framework. And you will start behaving, you will behave rather like non-religious people, like people who have no religion. Except the difference is with you, you will have adopted religious language, you will have religious sentiment, but ultimately you are no different from those non-religious people who don't know God. In fact, often you will be worse than non-religious people. There's some very nice non-religious people out there has to be said. Often religious people are worse than non-religious counterparts because religious people 
own, in inverted commas, a set of external beliefs. And in owning them, they become proud and arrogant. They say, I believe this stuff. I believe the right things. And therefore, I'm better than you who do not believe them or do not even understand them. I understand them. I believe them. I'm better than you. For, for Even for, for many religious types, just like that, um, religious truth becomes just another way to get one up on someone else. Or it becomes another way to control or manipulate other people. And we'll, we'll be meeting meeting cases like that later on in chapter one, as we see some of the people that are um, coming against the church in Crete. But Paul says, you know, he's writing here to strengthen the faith for the sake of the faith. Yes, he wants people who believe in Jesus to be certain about their beliefs. He wants to make sure that what they're believing is correct as, as, as Paul has received it from, from God. He wants that. But he also wants to strengthen the truth, remember, that accords with godliness, the truth that leads to a certain pattern of living that is radical and, and powerful and, and very, very different from the cultural norms uh, within Crete. He wants the churches in Crete uh, to be strong in the truth and strong in how the truth plays out in their own lives as individuals and as the small communities that have been formed across the island around this message of God in Jesus Christ. And he says, you are to make a difference. You will make a difference when you understand this truth correctly. You will impact the island of Crete because the truth has been shaping you. Get the truth straight. And number two, let the truth shape you. And when you do that, Crete will never be the same again. See, when we today accept uh, God's truth, his, his promise of eternal life, as, he, as Paul puts it here, um, through Jesus Christ, then we cannot continue to live like people who have no truth or who have other tr truths, who don't have true truth as God would have it. We cannot continue to live like that. It just does not add up. It means that when you and I, and we as a community of people in the church, receive the truth about God through Jesus Christ into our hearts, in, into the very core of our being, then we must reject, we will therefore reject selfish living. Uh, we, we will reject self-indulgence. We will reject thinking of myself and my needs and my desires as the most important thing in my life. And everybody else around me is, is here to serve my needs and desires. We will reject that kind of thinking. Paul says that the God's truth sets up God's people. It creates the community of God's people. And they stand, in this context here for sure, in stark contrast to the society in Crete. He says, away with me-centered living. Instead, you're to adopt Christ-centered living. Now, he is the most important person in your life, not yourself. Um, you're to live for him, for, for what he wants, to make much of him, rather than for yourself, ultimately, and, and what you want, and to make much of yourself. You're here for Jesus. That's what happens, says Paul, when you accept God's truth. 
everything turns upside down. He, he goes on and gives us more um, clarity on that, more definition to the content. Um, later on in chapter two, we'll see this in a few weeks, but just, just to add some um, flavor to what we're talking about here, Paul says, Christ Jesus, in chapter two, verse 14, Christ Jesus gave himself for us, he says, to redeem us from all lawlessness, struggle in Cretan society, lawlessness, Christ has come to redeem us from that way of living, to purify for himself, he says, a people zealous for good works. Christ Jesus came to redeem us, to purify us, to do good works. Flows from truth, truth which accords with godliness. Later on, he says to Titus, teach what accords, there it is again, with sound doctrine. Teach what matches up with, my teach, with, with sound teaching. The life that flows from it. This is the second part of the letter. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Once you get the truth, he says you will stop the drunkenness, um, you will stop the rebellion, you will stop the lawlessness, you will stop being so heavily opinionated and arrogant as if you're right all the time. All that goes. Instead, he says... Once you understand the truth, you will become more self-controlled. Um, you, you, you will have an innate wisdom that wasn't there before. Uh, you will lead healthy families. You will become decent citizens of your city and of your nation when you let the truth shape you. You can just imagine, can't you, uh, for a second, the implications of what Paul is saying here is, is very radical. Just imagine, um, as we've been thinking, uh, the kind of society that, that we're presented with here in Crete. And it was all normal for them in their own estimation. But then just imagine within that, a, a small but resilient group of people who, who live out a very different kind of life indeed. The church, the believers in Jesus. A group who are united by their shared faith in Paul's message, which is the, the gospel of Jesus, who he is and, and what he's done. Imagine that, that group that is gripped and, and transformed by that message so much that their lives are radically different. They stand in stark contrast on many points to the rest of the society in Crete. Night and day. Imagine a group of people, instead of hoarding for themselves, are generous with their resources. Imagine instead of continual self-gratification, a group of people who are selfless in their service of other people. Instead of climbing over the weakest to make much of themselves, they love and serve and advocate for the weakest in society. Instead of stirring up division and, and contention, they quietly, consistently seek reconciliation and unity and, and good citizenship. Instead of conformity to society's norms, things that easily win the cheap applause of those in power, they take the hardest route, if necessary, to proclaim and to, to live out the, the, the good news about Jesus, the truth of God's plan for eternal life. They'll do that, whatever the cost. Imagine a group like that. That is what Paul is calling through Titus, the churches in Crete, to be like. 
within Cretan society. And that, that is who he is calling us through the scripture to become like in our own society. A, a group of people founded on the good news of Jesus and at various points, many points, standing in direct radical opposition to, to many of the values and the, 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 the behaviours that we see throughout our society. This is what we are aiming for at Foundation Church Belfast. Um, how do we get it? How do we become this counter-cultural community of, of truth and love and lights? Well, we get it, number one, by getting the truth straight, and number two, by letting the truth shape us. That's how it happens. And don't forget, this doesn't happen in a bubble. This doesn't happen to individuals only. This, the formation of this glorious, wonderful, beautiful, diverse, and yet united community happens together. It happens as the truth creates a community of people. That's why we're called Foundation Church, because we're a church that is founded on Jesus, on the good news of Jesus, on the truth of God through Jesus. He is the foundation. He is where we start. He is uh, the one in whom we rest, upon which we stand. He is the foundation. And we would love you, if you're not already connected to um, a, a, a church that loves Jesus and preaches his, his, his word, then we would love you to get in touch with us here at Foundation Church. We'd love to have you on board um, we'd love to help you learn how to get the truth straight and help you live in a way that the truth will shape you as we together on mission live and love Jesus Christ. Can I challenge you if you're uh, not sure how you stand with, with Jesus or what you understand about him, don't just let this drop go forward until you are clear about Jesus and how you respond to him. He will take anybody. He will take you home. Uh, he, he has given himself for you. And so through faith in him, uh, you will receive forgiveness, you will receive restoration, and you'll be added to his people. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to have you on board and come and be part of our community. So give us a shout. Bye for now.